Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. What's up, everybody? I am Drew. Welcome all, welcome all. Hello, how's everybody doing? Thanks for joining us. So, in this week's episode, we're going to be covering Ms. Marvel. This is a character that's coming out for the new Disney Plus streaming show, so we thought we'd do one of our patented classic introductory episodes. So for those of you who don't really know the character, don't know anything about her, don't know anything about the series, this is your chance to, you know, get our take on it on her and, uh, you know, jump on board and learn yourself a little something. And, and you know, if that's what you want to know and... It'll give you a chance to get a little b- bit of context before you jump into the show, if that's what you're going to do. That sound yep. about right, Drew? I think so. I think so. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, a few episodes of the show will already have been out. So there's a good chance that people already at least have some knowledge of the character if they've been religiously watching the Disney Plus series as each episode has been released. Well... Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I I still think if you just want to listen to our honeyed voices as we, you know, massage your brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely never underestimate. Yeah, never underestimate what you can learn by listening to us. Yeah, faux show, faux show. Uh, So you want to give a little bit of the information about the character just in terms of uh, who the creative people are behind her and I guess any important dates or factoids. Okay. The character of Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, she was created by a group of individuals, actually. She was created by Sana Amanat, Stephen Wacker, G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfona, and Jamie McKelvey. Those are the people who are credited as her creators, so you just need to acknowledge that. This is an interesting little factoid. I guess I either forgot or didn't realize, but her first appearance was actually in an issue of Captain Marvel by Kelly Sue DeConnick, and she appeared as a, a background character as Carol Danvers was fighting off a bad guy. <laughs> Did she get a line or something, or was she just there? I think she was just in the panel, like looking oh. at Ms. Marvel. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a nice little uh, tidbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it wasn't too long after that, just a few months later, her first solo series was released, and that one was by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. Uh, I believe it had a cover date of February 2014. I could be off, but, you know, that's right about the time period of when she was originally created. So kind of interesting to see that a relatively newer creation already has made her appearance in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of speaks to the reach or the impact or significance of the character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that the people that disney i guess felt that it was worth it was worth bringing her over into their into their playground right right uh just in terms of a little bit of background on the character um you know just so you guys have a general idea of uh who she is and what she's about her her name is kamala khan and she's uh yeah she's basically a young muslim woman who lives in new jersey and who is exposed to uh terrigen mist bomb at least in the comics uh 
and, and the source of her power comes from the fact that I guess whatever genetics in her has enough of a vestigial connection to the Inhumans where when the Terrigen mist bomb went off, uh, the, the mist activated powers in her. And, uh, yeah, she uh, like like any good person in the Marvel Universe, the second you get powers, it, it's your job to go stomp an evil, right? Either that or rob a bank. Yeah, yeah, there's really only two, two uh, career paths. It's not like they got powers and they decided to become, like, the best accountant that they could have been for, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although that could have been an interesting story, <laughs> it's like I, I, I could have, be. I could have saved the world a hundred times over, a thousand times over, but instead I'm gonna use my immense calculative brain powers and my incredibly fast finger speed in order to just do people's taxes at the speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you put when you put it that way, think about how helpful that character would be to so many more people. Uh, yeah, assuming that she chooses to use those powers to help, you know, poor people or something, they can't do their taxes. Because otherwise, if she's just doing it to help corporations and the already rich, that's not really, <laughs> that's not really helping anybody much. <laughs> <laughs> No corporate entity shall ever pay taxes again. <laughs> Apparently, she studies at the feet of Ayn Rand. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh yeah that's in 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 summation that's what Kamala Khan Miss Marvel is about. I don't really know too much in terms of like what was going on in the background uh, at Disney, but if I was to presume. You know, uh, this being a more recent character and just us living in a war intertwined and closely knit world due to the internet and just due to modernity, uh, they wanted to create a character that, I guess, represented um, segments of the population that hadn't traditionally been represented in comics. So, you know, I, well, I, I guess I'll have to ask you, Drew, do you remember when, when this character came out, do you feel like there was like a push to like roll out this character? Like what, what was your recollection of, uh, that period of time or heck even let's, 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 let's go back and let's even add to that question and say like, What's your first memory of, or first thought of Miss Marvel when you first uh, came upon this character and what they were trying to do, uh, what they were presenting to the world? Okay, so I'll probably say my first time hearing about Ms. Marvel was when they announced the character. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a kind of big news i think you know they were really making a push to show off their willingness to uh have representation in their in their universe mm. 
But to be honest, when the comic came out, I I really didn't uh, bother with it because I wasn't a fan of G Willow Wilson. Yeah. And and to me that was more of a factor in in terms of do I want to read this, you know? And right. And uh, for, based on like the other comics of hers that I had read in the past, I wasn't interested. Right. So I just kind of let that go. But then I remember, for some reason, I feel like after she after the character had been out for a while, uh, there was a good amount of you know just buzz and conversation about her. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, there are gonna be the publicity was very high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Obviously, there were going to be people that that uh, thought this was like some kind of pandering, or or uh, I guess there's no other real way to say it. But you know, there there are also like racist fans who who just don't like the idea of having a teenage Muslim girl be a superhero in the Mo- Marvel universe, like for yeah. whatever reason that made them mad enough to you know take up arms on on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, the so only I guess, place where you go when, <laughs> when yeah. you have those kinds of feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Disneyland yeah. for jerks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that should be Twitter's new marketing slogan. I, it's Disneyland I be, for jerks. Exactly. It's where dreams come to die. <laughs> yeah. uh, and but, I, I think... Yeah. Because of that, I think that made me more interested in reading it. Just because then I want, I was kind of curious to see what is it that people are nice. talking about. What, you were why motivated so, by your hate of yeah. jerks. <laughs> yeah, why are people so mad at this? Yeah. And yeah. I re- also remember right around that time period in here in San Francisco, for whatever reason, I, I kept seeing Ms. Marvel on like billboards and stuff. So I guess there was some kind of media blitz. Like I would see her on on muni buses like on the side of the bus where they put the the advertisements and and uh in the stations i think too i remember yeah. seeing like random advertisements for her plastered all over the city that's uh that's it's pretty, pretty rare yeah. yeah i mean it's good that you remember it because i actually saw a note on that on wikipedia oh. and yeah they mentioned that uh like I, I'm trying to look it up right now. They mentioned that uh, that she was on these promotionals in uh, San Francisco, but to be honest, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, but then you weren't really taking the bus very much at that time. I mean, I still don't take the bus, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. you're exactly right though. I mean, like so, it wasn't anything where. I think maybe I might have seen a billboard once while I was driving or something or while when I was walking somewhere. But other than that, I don't really remember too much about this. So when I read this in Wikipedia, I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize that that was a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's It's strange because it's not like Marvel or DC or really any comic book company advertises that much like I've, I've never seen any other i can't remember too many other characters if any being on billboards at the muni station or on the buses and stuff yeah yeah but yeah at that time i was i, I used to take the muni to work every day so it just became a familiar sight yeah 
But yeah, eventually ended up reading the first volume of the story of the run by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. And I, f- I think I even gave it a chance to like I ended up reading at least up to like volume three before I gave up on it. Yeah. Uh, and then basically didn't really pay much attention to the character until a few years ago when Solid and Ahmed began his run. And, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, I've been borrowing that from the library whenever I see a new volume out. Right, so, right. yeah, I enjoy his run. And today we're going to be talking about two specific Ms. Marvel stories. We'll be talking about the first volume by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona, which yeah. was her origin story. And then we'll also be talking about the first volume of The Magnificent Ms. Marvel, which is the run started by Saladin Ahmed with art yeah. by Minkyu Jung. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at this here, and it says, In January 2015, images of Khan began appearing over anti-Islamic advertisements on San Francisco city buses. Uh, the advertisement purchased by the American Freedom Defense Initiative equated Islam with Nazism. In response, street artists street artists covered the ads with images of Khan alongside messages such as calling all bigotry busters, stamp out racism, free speech isn't a license to spread hate, Islamophobia hurts us all. Oh, okay. That you know what? That's probably what I was seeing. It wasn't advertisements. It was street art on yeah. top of like racist advertisements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says here uh, about the response. I guess this is G. Willow Wilson's tweet. Some amazing person has been painting over the anti-Muslim bus ads in SF with Ms. Marvel graffiti. To me, the graffiti is part of the back and forth of the free speech conversation. Call and response, argument, counter argument. So, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's what they, I guess, we're talking about. And um, the other thing that I feel is worth mentioning is uh, Miss Marvel did win quite a few awards. So you know, that's that's something worth mentioning. I, I think it says here that it won like a Hugo Award. Uh, Mm-hmm. That first volume by yeah. G. Willow Wilson and Alfona. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, it won a Hugo Award in 2017, American Book Award. So at least amongst critics, I, I guess it's well acclaimed. Um, yeah, and got quite a few Eisner and Harvey nominations. Yeah, yeah. So on paper, it's got that stuff. Uh, and, and that's those aren't small accolades mm-hmm. uh those are generally awards that i have respect for certainly more than a lot of other awards you know mm-hmm. i mean the oscars allowed people to vote on who would what would get an oscar and they were bombed by fans into making them give Zack snyder an oscar for <laughs> for what's it called uh for the snyder cut they bullied them into giving Zack Snyder an Oscar for that, so wait, so you know. he actually got the statue? I think he did. I oh. like I'll have to double check, but I'm I, I think that actually ended up happening. So it was uh people like how did yeah I was just gonna ask how did that work? Was it just like straight up internet polls or something like the number of votes he got? Yeah, led it, to it that? was it was number of votes, but I think they tried to disqualify it because they were saying that 
Well, it was technically a movie that was made in another year, so we can't count it. But but I think they might have been again the backlash backlash might have been enough that they felt the pressure and they decided to succumb to it and they ended up giving him an Oscar anyway. Mm. Like, let me double check just to make sure, but we we can talk about it later and maybe I'll put it as a note at the end. But that's what I think happened. I see. I see. Yeah. So all that to say, uh, you know, Ms. Marvel, at least I respect the Hugo Awards and the Eisners more than most awards. So so there's that. What um, was the first time you uh, remember reading or learning about Ms. Marvel? I'm pretty sure I saw something on it in some publication or some promotional advertisement. I didn't really, I think, I don't remember exactly what the gap of time was, but uh, shortly before, there was a lot of uh, buzz around the fact that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, who used to be Miss Marvel, uh, the the buzz was that she was assuming the title of Captain Marvel, Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, that, you know, she's she gets to claim the title now. So I, I I was pretty on board with that. I liked her costume. And I think at the time I didn't really think much of what would happen to the to the title of Miss Marvel. I just kind of thought it would just fade into obscurity. And when this came out, it was something where, yeah, like I don't really have huge ties to the character anyways so it was it was like you know it was just one of those moments where you're like oh okay that's happening right yeah yeah and then i saw that g wilson was uh attached to it and yeah i've read quite a a few of her other works and i can't say that she's a writer that speaks to me either so that that certainly was a thing that deterred me from really having too much interest in this character beyond that. I mean, I wasn't in a place where I was wishing that it didn't exist or whatever, but I just, I think I just knew instinctually that this wasn't something that I personally was going to enjoy or wasn't going to be to my tastes as, as a reader, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's fine. That's a thing that happens. Some, some people just don't, have a style that speaks to me and yeah that's that's just kind of where i was um that is I've, very diplomatically put uh yeah i mean i i i really save my vitriol for like those just absolute moments when i'm ready to shart on something like, that way like jeff Loeb. yeah exactly so i i and the way I, yeah i look at myself as essentially a toothpaste of just uh feces and just emotional uh crap wait wait you look at yourself as a yeah yeah exactly like i i know i know what goes on in my head so (laughs) so you know i'm just saving it for that one moment when i'm ready to just i i'm constantly just unscrewing the cap of the toothpaste just to the very tip so that when i'm ready I'm going to put the toothpaste on the ground and I'm going to stomp on it and all that 
feces toothpaste is going to come shooting out and it's just going to slather that one thing that I'm ready to explode on. So I save it. I save it, Drew. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's one of the most poetic descriptions of someone calling himself feces I've ever heard. Yeah, thank you. I, I want to put that as our subtitle, uh, Between the Gutters, uh, where one of the hosts considers himself a toothpaste sack full of feces. <laughs> put that one right up there next to yeah. Twitter. It's the Disneyland for jerks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right, kids. We have a new catchphrase. Uh, you can buy our merch at our website. <laughs> you can get t-shirts on uh, being toothpaste satchels full of feces. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get that trending on twitter kids <laughs> okay yeah so uh i i will say that i think i eventually did read it as well i don't i don't know if it was a thing where i looked at all the awful people that had terrible things to say uh coming from a terrible place I don't think that was the thing that made me interested. It might have been just as simple as I was looking at all the accolades and I was like, well, maybe there's a chance that this is the one thing that she writes that blows me away, right? Like, I, I guess the way that I look at a lot of comics is, um, well, no, that's not even entirely true. But I was going to say... What were you about to say? I was going to say... I. I think I used to look at it in a way where I would tell myself maybe every bad writer has at least one good story in them. And <laughs> if I just like read enough of their work, eventually I'll find that one thing that redeems them. The one thing that justifies the entirety of their career. But uh, yeah, there are just certain writers that I'm, I'm not getting that from, right? So, like, I'm I'm well past the point of assuming that Scott Lobdell has any uh, redemptive qualities in him. <laughs> <laughs> I see his name on anything, and I'm I'm just ready to use to his comics as toilet paper. I'm done. <laughs> Do you remember what your thoughts on that first time you read Ms. Marvel? If I okay, so I okay, I'm gonna go on a semi bigger tirade on this whole thing uh well I'll, I'll try not to make it a tirade but i'll i'll do what i can right um so i i've read i've read quite a few of g willow wilson's other works actually uh so i remember she first the first thing that i knew from her the first time i re uh like even recognized her name was uh was a comic called air it was by it was by her, G. Willow Wilson. I forget who the artist was, but MK I remember Perker. who? MK Perker. Okay, yeah. So I I mean that's how much of an impact it left on me. I don't but I I forget if I It was a vertigo book. It was a vertigo book, I know that much. And I think I might have seen something on it in I wanna say like Wizard or something, right? Like Wizard might not even have been around anymore, but I remember seeing it somewhere on you know some listicle or something like that right mm -hmm. and i didn't know who g willow wilson was and i think there was something graphically about the covers that were interesting enough where i was like oh this could be an interesting read and then i remember 
uh, I went to the Apple and I found that first volume for like three bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I picked it up and I read it. And then I think I want to say that I read some more of it, uh, like beyond the first volume, because I think in my mind, I kept waiting for it to I kept waiting for the moment for the the switch to flip. Right. So I remember reading it and thinking, okay, this is kind of whatever. I don't really know. I don't think I hate this, but I don't think I like it either. Right. And okay. Uh I think I just kept telling myself, okay, I think there's got to be a turning point. At some point, there's going to be a point in the plot where, you know, where there's the turn and something happens that finally captures my interest. But I, I it just never came, you know? Mm-hmm. And eventually, I think very shortly thereafter, after I'd read it, I decided I'd read enough of it that I don't think this series was for me. So uh, very shortly, I am pretty sure I, I took the sticker off and I resold it back to Green Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love how you uh, take the sticker off, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I read another work by her, which was Cairo. Yeah, and the thing about Cairo was that it was another Vertigo book that she wrote, and it was a book that was basically an OGN. It was one self-contained story. It was her chance to do a story her way. And to this day, I don't really remember much about it, except that I remember walking away pretty, with pretty, not dismissive, but like my my general uh, uh, feelings towards it, even now, uh, instinctually aren't, aren't good ones. It, It wasn't something that I liked. I think if I had to think back to it, it, it was some sort of like magical realism kind of story, and it just wasn't something that did anything for me, you know. Like mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't think it was particularly interesting, or yeah, it, it certainly wasn't memorable to to the point where even now, all these years later, like I don't remember what it was about, but I just remember that I didn't really like it that much. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sometimes that impression is all you really need or that's the thing that just sticks with you. Exactly. Exactly. And I, yeah. So after all these years, um, yeah, I'd say that G Willow Wilson has come a pretty long way and, you know, she, she's gotten quite a boost in her career and for her to get a chance to do this character of Miss Marvel and for it to reach these heights and I'm, Pretty sure her name is, uh, you know, a pretty big name in some circles at this point, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, even even in spite of, even taking all that into consideration, like, I, I did not really think that her writing was for me. So I, I was not looking to read Miss Marvel, but uh, for whatever reason... Maybe just morbid curiosity, because, again, like, there were all these accolades. I did want to give it a try. So I think you gave it more of a shot than I did, because I just read that. I'm pretty sure I just read that first trade, and it was enough for me to know that, uh, you know, I was fine not reading any more of it. Yeah. 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 So, like, I, I didn't even read the following trades. I just read the one. 
Well, if it makes you feel better, I don't remember anything from the next couple volumes. Yeah. That's how little of an impression it left on me. Like, whatever yeah. you remember about Cairo, it's that's probably the same amount of stuff I remember about the rest of her Ms. Marvel that I read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that reading Ms. Marvel this time around, uh, at least that first volume, uh, it's pretty much... At least in terms of the bigger beats, it's pretty much what I remembered. And and maybe it's because it's a an origin story, but you know, what 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 are the things that you need to know? How she got her powers and actually, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I guess I did miss the second beat of it. So like I I just the only thing that I remembered from it was how she got her powers, but I didn't remember like what she what she what, did what with her powers? Yeah, exactly. What what her obstacle was. So, you know, by the time we... In my reread of this first trade, when you get to the end and, you know, she's fighting, uh, you know, science teen hoodlums. I, I don't know what to call them. They're basically teenagers clone of, with... An evil clone of Thomas Edison. Is that what he was? I guess his name was Edison. I think so. But, but he had a bird head. Yeah, I don't remember what the reason for that was. Yeah. Like, he, his head was a quail. So he's a clone of Thomas Edison, but it just so happens that his head is a quail. Yeah. That's kind of funny. <laughs> kind of. It's, it's just uh, random enough to be perplexing. It's, yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember that part at all. Like, I, so I just remember how she got her powers. That was the main thing. Um. I guess we can talk about Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel a little bit. Just uh, we we've kind of talked about our first impressions of the character, but I guess with the show coming out, I am kind of curious. Just what what do you think she? I guess yeah. What do you think she stands for? I guess or like in your picture perfect ideal version of a Miss Marvel story, uh, the the Dark Knight Returns of Miss Marvel, like. What does that story look like to you? Like, what what kind of themes and concepts are are sort of cornerstones for that character in your mind, in your heart? That's a big question that I would have to think about. See, see that that's the kind of thing you should have asked me a couple of days ago, so I could think about it before you <laughs> asked me on the spot in the podcast. But it's good to be asked questions on the spot because now I'm getting the most organic purest answer from you unfiltered it also increases the chances that i say something ridiculously stupid or embarrassing see entertainment <laughs> <laughs> and and just so you know it's this isn't a question that i thought about and like decided to come onto the podcast and like just surprise you with this was something that I came up with on the spot right now. So I don't even think I have an answer for this <laughs> if I had to answer it. So, so you're well, not when you put company. it that way, why don't you answer first? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. That's not how it works. I've already <laughs> answered, uh, proposed the question. Uh, well, okay. I, I can try to give it a shot. How's that sound? All right. Go for it. I do think that between reading the two volumes that we read, one of the themes uh, that seems to show up a lot, and you know, it, it wasn't always handled in the 
in, in the best way. Uh, I, I'd even say that in G. Willow Wilson's run, I'd consider it pretty clumsy. But one of the things that's obvious about Kamala Khan is that she's, you know, an immigrant and she's a Muslim and she's a teenager and she's a superhero, right? So there, there are all these, is, like... Is Kamala herself an immigrant? Or she might be the child of immigrants. I, I forget yeah. the specific details, but... I, I yeah, I thought she was born and raised in America. Okay, okay, okay. So I could be go. wrong though, but that that's what I thought. I I I think you're right. I think I think you might be right. So that's something we'll have to check and you know, we we can correct it later on a future episode or if we come across that information at this point, but um you know, but the point being that she's got pretty deep roots uh, in two worlds between living here in America, but also uh, her homeland, uh, you know? So her parents' homeland? Her, her parents' homeland, exactly, right? So she's she's got a pretty diverse cultural background. And I think with all of these elements, uh, you know, just apparent in her in her like character uh background in her character build whatever right uh i'd say that one of the strongest themes that i've noticed in both the books is the idea of her as a young person building a third path you know not necessarily being an american like a purely westernized american and not necessarily purely being this you know, uh, not purely being what the same as uh, her parents uh, from the country they came from or anything like that, but just trying to be herself. And in addition to that, trying to find a way to have all of these things and I guess to honor all of these things and to be this new construct uh, birthed from all of the various elements that make up her character and her personality. So I guess that's, I, I consider Ms. Marvel to be kind of in this era's version of a teenage superhero. And, and, and she's kind of a fitting character for that role because, you know, in, in a world where the internet has made information that much accessible to all of us and has made it so that we live in us in in a more globalized community uh it just makes sense that the world of comics would end up looking more like the real world uh you know it it it, it reminds me of this uh i think it was carl sagan who talked about uh star trek or something like that or was it star trek well it might have been star wars actually and he was talking about how he didn't think star wars was an accurate representation because you went to space and all he saw was like white people yeah <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so you know uh it's it's a welcome thought to to see like that level of diversity and i i do think it's a, a worthy uh, idea to look at the world through this new lens and to be to ask yourself 
to ask the question, what does it mean to balance your life as this new teenage character? You know, uh, essentially the Spider-Man for the the modern generation, right? Like, what what do you incorporate into that? And you still have these ideas and themes of being a teenager who's trying to fit in at school while trying to drive uh not drive uh, but while trying to forge a identity for herself that's something independent of her family but at the same time of her family right and to incorporate other aspects other cultural aspects into it just it it makes sense that this is what the teenage superhero of the modern era would have to deal with so I think even though I'm not a huge fan of G. Willow Wilson, I will say that in concept, in, in, in theory, that's, those are things that Kamala Khan should have uh, presented when, when you read a Kamala Khan Miss Marvel story. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also comes from her other co-creators too. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sana Amanat. Like I feel like yeah. a lot of the interviews I've read – uh, about the creation of Kamala Khan and this book, or this series, it, it I got the impression that Sana Amanat probably had the most initial influence on like the like the I guess the concept of the character. I mean, yeah. I, I could I could be misreading it, or I could be uh, no. This is keep in mind. This is just my interpretation of of the things I've read. And yeah, and I'm yeah. not trying to downplay other people's contributions, but it, I, w- I would, I would suspect that a lot of the themes that revolve around identity were probably inspired by a, a lot of the things that Aminat herself experienced as she was growing up. That's yeah, that's that the impression that that I've gotten. Uh, and I, I think at least with the G Willow Wilson run, Wilson probably you know refined those ideas into stories and mm. and uh, you know scripted them and and uh, built out the world and the relationships that the character had with all of the other characters. Yeah. 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 Um, I do think. Also, that the thing that Kamala probably represents the most is representation. I mean, as weird as it sounds to to think that, oh, what she represents is representation. That's a weird sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like what you were saying about adding diversity to the Marvel Universe and I guess really just superhero comics in general, maybe even just fiction in general. It's it's. Pretty tough for me to think of other teenage girl Muslim characters, you know. It's a very I mean, specific uh, lane to occupy. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. There, there were a couple of other Marvel characters that came to mind. Like I thought of M from Generation X, and Dust from Grant Morrison's New X Men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's about it. Like, and and Dust didn't really do much you know like that's kind of a blank slate right there yeah other than a couple of panels or scenes here and there and 
I, I never read a whole ton of Generation X, but I guess M was a pretty entertaining character. She was like this really snotty, powerful girl. Like I think her power set was it, it was almost not not to be like glib, but it almost feels like her power set was to be perfect or something, wasn't it? Like Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she was just right? good at everything she did and and she yeah. knew it. She had she was like Superman basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't really remember too much about her. Um but see, that's the thing. You, she she was like super strong, she could fly. Super smart. Super smart, genius level yeah. intellect. Yeah. Super speed. I think she even had telepathy and telekinesis. She just oh. had like every power set under the sun, so Yeah, yeah. She was uh But that's the thing. I didn't even know she was Muslim until you brought it up just now. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that was something that they uh, particularly explored because, uh, you know, Scott Lobdell wrote a lot of Generation X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've just come full circle, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting another Scott Lobdell reference in this episode. So today's episode is about how much we hate Scott Lobdell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this this entire episode just morphed from one about Miss Marvel to just dunking on Scott Lobdell. <laughs> <laughs> Scott the job. Scott Jobdell. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, like when when it first when she first came out. Kamala. Well, oh, Kamala. Yeah. Was it? Wait, by the way, did I cut you off? Did you? Was there anything no, else no. you wanted to say? Yeah, just like what your thoughts on her costume were, or like other various elements of her, like you know outside of you know the storytelling or whatever yeah so I, I think it's a great character design she looks like a teenage kid you know and I, I think that's always something that whoever's drawing her book has to keep in mind but like the base design is well done and her costume is another really good design from jimmy mckelvey from what yeah. i know he he was the main designer on, on the actual costume. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like he's he's done some other really great redesigns. Probably the most notable one was for Carol Danvers uh, when she yeah. started going by Captain Marvel. And that's, to me, that's one of the all-time great modern costumes and, and definitely one of the best redesigns of a costume. Like that's that's up there with Darwin Cook's Catwoman, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's you're right. The Carol Danvers design was an awesome uh, design that incorporated elements of the classic Captain Marvel with, uh, you know, just something fresh and new, modernized it. And I think they also did the same thing with Miss Marvel, which was, you know, it, it took elements of the classic Ms. Marvel costume, but it also updated it and, you know, added elements to it that reflected things in this new character's personality because it does look like a costume that a teenager would come up with you know it's mm -hmm. it's cool looking but it's also kind of goofy almost almost like what you would envision cosplay to look like on some level right it's mm -hmm. it's kind of mm -hmm. larpy um and and on top of that there are elements of it that are you know, and and maybe I I can't speak 
to how true this is because I don't I'm not Muslim, but there there are elements of it that do feel like it speaks to something that comes out of traditionally Muslim clothing too. Yeah, uh, I saw that in the design notes at the back of the trade. That was something that they mentioned. Okay, yeah. So uh, I think it was pretty cool of them to take all of these various aspects of her personality and just kind of mash them together into this this one design that just touches on all 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 uh all of the various parts of her and yeah and it just feels like you look. look at her and you already get a sense of what she's about which is pretty important when it comes to designing a superhero yeah yeah it's got there the aren't... iconography pretty much packed into the into the costume yeah and you know even though her her uh, and you know just to describe her costume it's there's a big uh like what is that like an s slash lightning bolt on mm-hmm. in, in her in the middle of her chest and it's not like revealing or anything she's does she have like a shawl or something like something around her neck i forget um, yeah maybe a scarf i'm not yeah, sure like what the scarf. technical term is yeah, and uh, she's got this. What are those masks called? Like the the raccoon mask or what? The robin mask? I, like a domino some, mask? Is that what? Like it's a called? domino mask? I think. Yeah, I think that's what's it called. What it is? It's a domino mask, and um, I don't usually think that the domino mask is the most original thing because we've just seen it so much up to this point. But there is something fun about the way that it's used in this costume, you know, and the costume is full of just fun bright colors too just a lot of reds and blues and gold you know it's it's a fun costume to look at Mm -hmm. i guess we've uh talked about the things that we do like about it uh about her as a character did did you have any uh takes on like things regarding her power sets or anything like that like do you have an opinion on that yeah I don't like her power set. I think it's pretty unappealing. Yeah. It's a, it's a power set that basically works best in comics uh-huh. and would probably be dopey or even really gross in yeah. real life. Yeah. You'll notice that the TV show gives her a different power set. They alter it just enough, I think, so that it's not quote-unquote gross. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Her, her powers in the comics are essentially... She's like Plastic Man, basically. She's it's got body the, morphing. She can stretch. She can grow big or shrink, and she's got some limited malleability where she can kind of shape shift. I think, like those are her main powers, right? Mostly, yeah. you just see her stretching, kind of like Mister Fantastic. I, I still think of Plastic Man for some reason whenever I look at her, yeah, uh, using her powers. But uh, I've watched the first two episodes of the show so far, and what they're doing in the show is totally different. Like, number one, uh, you know, no origin rooted with the Inhumans. And her power set isn't to shrink or control her her body like that yeah. or change uh, shapes or anything. Her, her power is to create hard light constructs. So oh. it, it almost looks like uh, Green Lantern or something. I see. Yeah, okay, I haven't watched the episodes, that, but that is substantially different. Yeah, from... it's a it's substantially different, and of course it it doesn't look as dopey as stretching powers would look. Yeah, 
But uh, at the same time, even though I just said that her power set in the comics is pretty unappealing, I don't respect the show for going in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, to me, that's that's the act of a coward. <laughs> like, if you're going to adapt a character, just adapt the character the way that the character is, you know? Yeah. So, like, what's what's the point of taking a superhero and changing up all the powers? And the other thing that I'm thinking is that what's more likely to happen is at some point in the comics, her powers are going to change to match what we have in the MCU. And that's, yeah, that kind of makes my blood boil. Yeah. We, I'm not a fan of that. As we all that. know, you, you hate it when that happens. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. For for every time that they do that, there's there's a brick in your house with someone's name on it that you're getting ready to throw through their window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not because I'm a purist. Far from it. I'm an elitist. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think for me, the thing about her powers that never really made sense to me was, I guess you could say that. She, Part of her backstory is that she was someone who was so inspired by Captain Marvel that she took on the, I guess, the uh, the role of Ms. Marvel, right? Yeah. But, and, and maybe this is just me being a stickler, but I think whenever I think of these characters that are kind of offshoots of these other more established characters... There's some part of me that expects them to have some sort of power set that relates to whatever that character's theme is, right? Mm -hmm. So so when I found out that she had these stretchy powers, it's, yeah, that was something that perplexed me because I was just like, wait, what does that have to do with Carol (laughs) Danvers? What does that have to do with Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel? Like, I, you know, at least... Would you have been more okay with Kamala's power set if they if she called herself Ms. Fantastic? I mean, it would probably would have been more true to <laughs> to, to to what her powers were like, right? You know, like I think I, it just felt like I failed to see the connection when when her powers did come out. Yeah, but again, like I, I guess the real connection is just that she's a fan of. Captain Marvel so much that she was inspired to be a hero because of that, which I, I guess that's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. I, like, I think I would have preferred it if she had gotten a hold of the Nega Bands or the Quantum Bands or something, because that was a gimmick that that hasn't been used in ages now. It, it just kind of yeah. faded into the background. And I would love to see the Nega Bands come back. So if her thing was that she she got a hold of the Negabands and that's why she gets to be Ms. Marvel now, I'm down with that, man. The Negabands yeah. are cool. I like yeah. the Negabands. You know? That that would have been way more appealing than having these stretching powers, shape-changing powers. Yeah, yeah. But sure, whatever. What's <laughs> like, done is done. What's done is done and she exists as is and you know, uh, until they change her powers to match the MCU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure there's, you know, someone out there who thinks this is a hot take who would probably be like, but that's just the way her powers are. Don't change it. Like, she shouldn't have nigga bands. 
okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the character a little bit. Do you want to jump into the the comics that we read uh, in preparation for this yeah. episode? Let's do it. Let's talk about the comics. Well, I guess we can focus our discussions on them one at a time, right? Yeah, that so, makes the most sense. Okay. Yeah, I'll introduce the first book that we read, and that is Ms. Marvel, Volume 1, No Normal. That's issues one through five of her first ongoing series. It's written by Gwendolyn Willow Wilson. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> drawn by Adrian Alfona, colored yeah. by Ian Herring. Lettered by Joe Caramagna and edited by Sana Amanat. So this is her first story, her first story in comics, her origin story. You described her origin briefly at the beginning of the podcast. And I just want to circle back to her origin story a bit. Because one of the things that I think makes this comic feel a little bit dated is the fact that it's rooted in ongoing marvel events at the time because mm. one of the things you mentioned is you you mentioned the terrigen bomb when you were describing her origin yeah and when you said that i was wondering in my in the back of my mind i didn't want to interrupt you because you were on a roll but in the back of my mind i was wondering for the people who are listening to this and don't have any context do they even know what the Terrigen bomb was? Do they remember it? In twenty I, yeah. year of our Lord, 2022, <laughs> is the Terrigen bomb still something that people think about? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, if you are me or Drew, you would know what a Terrigen bomb is. You would know what Terrigen mists are. But for your average person, for those of you who, let's say, you all you know is Miss Marvel is coming out on uh, Disney+. Plus. And you know nothing about Miss Marvel. I'm pretty sure you don't know anything about Terrigen mists, uh, let alone what a Terrigen bomb is. So I, I'm sure this is uh, a complete anomaly to you. Um, yeah. So the Terrigen mists are there's a civilization of beings called the Inhumans, and they are. Uh, I believe they were humans that were experimented on by an alien species known as the Kree, right? Yeah. And the thing about them is that they've developed this culture around uh, this transformation process. So when they get to a certain age, they expose themselves to these mists called uh, the Terrigen Mists, and it activates a process process called Terrigenesis. And, you know, there's a big ceremony around it, and um it revolves around like what are you going to look like after this moment of transformation so you know up to the a certain point in their life you know up to their like teens or something like that they live uh as as just unpowered human beings but then when they get to this prime age in their life this trans uh they're they they have this uh custom where they expose themselves to this uh, chemical that transforms them. And uh, that's that's what Terrigenists are. And uh, so as a part of some other story, uh, someone created a bomb that would release this gas into the world. And 
that's what happened. So this gas went out into the world, and she was one of the people that was affected by it and was given power by it. So she was an inhuman, but she didn't know it. Yeah, basically, it happened during the bomb uh, exploding happened during a big event called Infinity, which was an Avengers story in the middle of Jonathan Hickman's fabled run. And Black Bolt, the leader of the Inhumans, was fighting Thanos. And Black Bolt had this bomb, and he ended up detonating it over New York. So all the people, I guess all the human beings who had some kind of inhuman ancestry, meaning at some point uh, one of their uh, ancestors reproduced with an inhuman, uh, I guess that strand of inhuman DNA through the generations was just enough to be the thing that uh, would cause the transformation if they were exposed to the mists. So mm-hmm. I guess at some point in her family history, Kamala had some kind of inhuman relative. Now, when you think about it, I don't really know how that explains why her family like her parents or her brother were totally unaffected by it. But mm. hey, it's comics. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a regressive gene, all right? <laughs> okay, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's, it's uh, the that's same a way how, explanation. That's why you don't have entire families of like albinos. It's just, you know, okay. every once in a while an albino shows up and it's like, oh, okay, uh, I guess we had one in there somewhere. Fair enough, Albert. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. you You've just made uh, that element of the story make 2% more sense to me. Thank you. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I went to community college, but thank you. You know stuff. I trust I, you. Yeah, I can make up stuff. Sure. Yeah, I totally trust <laughs> you when it comes to making up stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the first story, she ends up getting exposed to these mists and enters this cocoon as part of the transformation process. And when she breaks out of the cocoon, she has her powers. I think one of the strange things about the origin story in the comic is that none of this backstory about Black Bolt and Thanos and why this bomb exploded is mentioned at all. And granted, it's not really pertinent to the story, but reading this now, in or rereading it now in 2022 it did make me think what would somebody who hadn't been reading those comics at the time what would they think you know like i don't i don't know if this would be uh it would just feel kind of random for a new reader maybe or it might just leave a new reader with these questions like where did this bomb come from and why why did this happen uh or heck even what is Terrigen, what's Terrigen missed? Who are who are yeah. these inhumans? Like none of that really gets explained, and it's totally fine for for us because we're kind of up to our ears in Marvel comics, so yeah. we would know that stuff. But yeah, I think if you're giving this to somebody cold and they didn't know what was happening in Marvel comics in 2013, yeah. I feel like it would just be kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, so I, I can try to fill that void a little bit just because 
even though I have this information about what Terrigen Mists are, I I'll admit that reading it, uh, you know, for the podcast, that I didn't even know it had any connection to Infinity until you mentioned it. To be quite frank, if I was more immersed in my reading of it, it might have been a, that might have been a detail that I would have thought about more. But I think I was just I was just just slamming my head against it just to get it done, right? <laughs> so so uh, reading this was like worse than homework. <laughs> so yeah, so as I was reading it, I was just like, huh? They didn't. I think there was a brief second a split second where i was just like oh i guess they're not really going to talk about where the mist came from and then i just went back to it but yeah when you mentioned it and you brought that up you it's a good point right because the, they don't really talk about it, it just feels like there's this random fog that gives people powers and it just went away and there's it's not really something that ever got discussed again like her confusion there are scenes in it where she's understandably like stressed out and confused by this whole thing, right? And mm -hmm. it focuses, it revolves around the fact that she's like, where did these powers come from? Which is pretty typical of these teenage superhero kind of stories where it's like, oh, where did this power come from? My body's changing. How am I supposed to like adjust to this while maintaining my my secret with the rest of the world, right? Yeah. But there isn't really any time spent on how did this happen in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's No just, explanations. Yeah. Like, and she's not even curious about it, which is pretty weird. I, I imagine if some, if I, this thing happened to me, I'd be pretty, I, in addition to, to like the stress that comes from, uh, you know, the, the weird changes that are happening to my body, you know, uh, I, I'd want to know where this came from. I'd want to know if this is going to be a thing that gets worse. I, I want to know that I didn't develop some form of, like, super herpes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, superhero gonorrhea or something. I just, it's, you know, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's definitely a pretty big plot hole in this in this initial story and uh you're right when it's it's to to create someone's origin and just have it steeped in such a very specific moment in marvel history the problem with that being that with marvel history you know quote unquote changing all the time it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of things you know mm-hmm it so. kind of also reminds me of remember those old DC crossovers like Invasion when oh, there yeah. was a gene bomb that created a bunch of superhumans. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, but who the heck remembers what Invasion is now? Uh, yeah. Well, we got Hitman out of that, so that was probably Hitman was Bloodlines. Oh, was it? Oh man, see, yeah, that, okay, that was the one where the aliens, uh. I think they bit people's spines and there was a small portion of the population who, if they got bit in the spine, they got superpowers and, you know, the other ones would die. But, you know, a couple oh. of people got powers. Okay. Yeah, that makes no sense because if an alien has a body that's designed to, like, gnash and bite you, 
And their whole thing is, I'm just going to bite you in the spine and walk away from this situation instead of, like, just completely eviscerating you. Uh, that's a pretty weird alien species. Yeah. Is it weirder than what happened with the gene bomb in Invasion or the Terrigen Mist in Inhumanity and Infinity? Oh. <laughs> uh, it's just typical superhero BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. It's just run-of-the-mill superhero comics uh, shenanigans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other general thoughts about the first volume of Ms. Marvel? Again, we can't really talk about it without mentioning just overall what our complication with Ms. Marvel by G. Willow Wilson is. So the, I guess the thing that I'd mention is Rereading it around this time around, I don't think I disliked it as much as I did the first time around, but I do think a lot of the things about it that bothered me or that didn't necessarily speak to me were still apparent and still present, right? So mm-hmm. I'd say that of what I read, like I thought, one, I thought the art was really well done. I really did like the art. Uh, I thought it was probably the, the strong point of the comic. Um, two, uh, I actually thought that the plotting was fine. Like, I didn't think it was a plot that made me care or excited about this character. Like the 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 basis of her origin or the uh her first adventure that she goes on when she uh when she first uses her powers. Like, I don't think any of that really was anything special uh it it was a very like run-of-the-mill origin story it it was almost like paint by numbers but i think in that sense if someone told me that this was the first comic that they read with uh and and you know it, it satisfied some sort of superhero itch for them it's not something that i would ridicule them for it's not something that I would take from them, I'd be like, okay. I mean, it it does the the basic <laughs> it does the basic job of telling her origin without being stupid. That if you can't tell, that's a backhanded compliment. But <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I would even go so far as to say that elements of it are stupid. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing that I think that I was thinking. I was like thinking about like Scott Snyder or something like that, right? I think Scott Snyder might have a better grasp of just maybe like how people talk, how characters uh, communicate in the comics, or maybe some of the ideas are kind of interesting. But his thing is there's always stupid plot contrivances. I, I didn't think there was anything in this where I was like, wait a minute, how did how did she get out of this or how did that happen or whatever? So like, I didn't think it was stupid in that sense. Right. Okay. But it was also not very impressive either. And, and maybe this is something where as someone who's read a bunch of comics and if you just line them up, uh, like it just doesn't, for me personally, it doesn't really compare to other comics that really occupy the same space or try to cover the same themes. You know, uh, and that theme being the idea of a teenage superhero getting their powers for the first time. The the one area 
that it's different in is the idea that okay she's an she's a muslim who's uh the child of immigrants and maybe that's the one area that's different but it really wasn't enough for me to make it a good comic right like because at the end of the day the the issue with it is that i I think the issue is that as much as i want to see like representation and as much as i do think it's interesting to see uh you know a young muslim superhero and just what their life is like i also at the end of the day you want to see a good story I want to see a good story, but I also don't want her. I do not want her Muslimness to be a prop either, right? It's not. Uh-huh. I I would prefer that the representation of her Muslimness be more subtle than what it is. Like there, I just feel like there are a lot of bits of dialogue in here where the thing that makes her Muslim is is what what G Willow Wilson does is she essentially swaps out words. So it's like, oh, see, he acts just like everybody else, but instead of uh, you know, him going to down to church, he's gonna go to a mosque. See, see, like, see how different that is. And it's like, I don't think that that's quite as nuanced as I would like it to be. Um, there's this one scene that jumps out at me in particular, and it's a scene where her brother is uh, trying to. So so her brother, like, she gets home and uh, people are worried about her. They don't know where she's been. They don't know what's happened to her. And her brother is, like, kind of freaking out. And he tries to, you know, he's trying to be, it, it's, I think it's played for comedic effect. I, so so it's, it's meant to be kind of a joke, right? But the mm-hmm. scene is, the brother is like, oh, we'll find who did this to you. And we'll like get him, right? And so he he says some he specifically says, I'm going to get, you know, my brothers from the mosques and we'll, you know, we'll mess up these guys that hurt you, right? And it's just it just felt like a scene where like it just felt like G Willow G. Willow Wilson was thinking, Okay, I wanna do this scene, but I'm just gonna flip some words around and that's what's gonna make it Muslim. That's that's what makes this Muslim. Because I'm going to, instead of him just going, I'm going to go get my friends and we're going to go beat up these guys that hurt you. Like, he goes, I'm going to go to the, the mosque and get my brothers, you know, brothers from the mosque to, like, go beat this guy up. And it's, I don't think it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really on, it's not subtle at all, is is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. And I think if the book had limited that kind of usage of words maybe something like that could be a little more innocuous but throughout the whole these whole five issues we're just constantly getting hit with references like that to yeah it it, it makes it uh pretty ham-fisted actually it's it's glaring right and even as someone who's not a muslim it's 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 obvious when you see it just as a writing technique, you you can't help but look at it and go, we get it. Like, I get it. That's, you know, he's Muslim, but there's a better way to present this to us as, as readers. Right. Um, Right. It reminds me of this other reading. It made me think of this one scene specifically. Um, And it was a, it's actually a scene from Shang-Chi. Right. And, 
The movie? And the movie, right? And I remember when we did the podcast, Justin was saying that this was a scene that he he actually liked. And it was a scene where at the beginning of the movie, Shang-Chi comes in and there's like a close-up shot on his feet as he's taking off his shoes. And then he goes to go join the family for dinner, right? Or for for like, he enters the house and he he joins, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think her name was Katie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he joins Katie's family and like, you know, catches up with them or whatever, right? And he was like saying, yeah, this was a good scene because it's like for the people. This like speaks, you know, it's kind of a wink to the camera saying, see, I get it. Asians take off their shoes. See, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> this is for you guys. And that's, I thought that when I saw that scene, I, I didn't think, oh man, yeah, I'm going to raise my fist in solidarity for that. I was just like, don't wink at me, you perv. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Like, I think for me personally, a more effective scene would have been a wide shot of him coming into the house and just taking off his shoes as opposed to like a close up shot of his feet as he takes off his shoes and enters the house. Right. Like I, I thought, you know, I, I don't remember that. I'm going to have to rewatch the movie and, and keep an eye out for that scene. I can't yeah. remember what I said when we recorded the episode either. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I just remember that because I remember Justin saying that. And my instinct was, you know, was you wanted was to slap him. Oh, okay. I, I, I wanted to leave the podcast in that very moment, drive over to his house and take a dump on his doorstep. Okay. That seems like kind of an extreme reaction to somebody's opinion. I don't think so. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Argument settled. There you go. Not much I can say to that. Okay, but going back to the book, I do think that the writing is very ham-fisted. Yeah. She just, yeah, Gwendolyn continually bashes us over the head with these reminders that Kamala feels different from everyone because of her ethnicity and her religion. Like there's mm-hmm. these constant references to how she feels like an outsider. It's either through her dialogue or through her internal monologue or narration. She, you know, it's just very uh, upfront where she just states things like how she feels different from everybody else because she doesn't have blonde hair or because she... She's just different because of her ethnicity and her her beliefs or her family and things like that. And it, it just feels like overkill, you know, like yeah. what you were just describing about the close up of Shang-Chi's feet in the movie. If, if that was not subtle for you, then I think the stuff in this comic is even far less subtle than that. Yeah. Because yeah. the character herself is just straight up telling you all these things that I think in a more sophisticated story, we would be able to infer through just reading the text or, you know, looking at the pictures. You should be, yeah, or looking at her body language, right? Yeah. Or Like, I don't, for something like, you know, her not feeling like she fits in because she looks like, she doesn't look like what you know a, a typical teen looks she's like not a white person basically yeah she's not a white person or whatever like 
I think it's fine if you have like one scene where that's what you hear of her interior monologue. But yeah, again, the repeated use of that, uh, it after a while, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't really need to have this recur like as often as it does, right? Yeah, it it does make me question the decision to write the story that way, because and and I. I hesitate to to say this, but I'm just going to work it out out loud as I think about uh what I, what we see on the page, but it it makes me think of how sometimes people complain about white people writing characters that have ethnic backgrounds and stuff, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's and I think looking at this book it it does kind of feel like that sort of problem where it's it's like a it's white person is yeah just presuming these are the kind of things that that minorities regularly constantly think about in daily life yeah and i'm not saying that those thoughts never cross our minds yeah but it just feels hard to un- understand why the comic was written in a way yeah. where it just seemed like such a big emphasis. You know, the only reason is to emphasize, the only reason that it's written this way is to emphasize how different Kamala is. But it it just feels like I don't really need that emphasis there, you know, because yeah. we can already look at her and recognize that, that she's not a white person. So yeah. it just feels, yeah, it... I, it, it leaves want... me feeling uneasy, man. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not really comfortable with the constant reminders that the character, you know, the constant reminders the character keeps telling us that she's different and feels yeah. like she doesn't belong. Yeah, I was gonna say like another instance of this. Like I think, <sighs> I like I I don't know how else to put it, but at its worst, it's kind of condescending. At its best, yeah. it's just kind of melodramatic um because because i i think a couple of things are going on here one like she's an older person writing a teenage girl and so it's it's part of it is that thing where it's like well teenagers are kind of dramatic and they're just kind of self-deprecating or whatever and like i i don't know if like i think that's true to a degree but i don't know that that's what it looks like you know yeah yeah and I don't I'm think I'm not a teenage girl, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a teenage girl, so like I can't. I'm not gonna speak for teenage girls everywhere and say like this is what it sounds like when you live inside their heads or or, or as it's presented. But I don't know. It just felt like a little too melodramatic for me. Yeah, right? I mean, just reading it, it doesn't ring it's, true. Yeah, uh, and, and I again, think sometimes the verisimilitude of the reading experience is what matters more than actually being quote-unquote realistic it's just a matter of being able to buy into the story and i can't really buy into this because it just feels too manufactured yeah and and you know what if if there's someone out there who thinks that it is an accurate representation like and i'm sure there are people who do who 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 sound that way and feel that way when they look at their lives and you know i'll i'll gladly like concede that right yeah Um, yeah, I mean, There's... it's it's totally fair to have those feelings and stuff. I just think that 
as part as of the craft presented. of writing, this this is yeah. not good storytelling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's definitely um, ways to present those emotions without writing it in such a ham-fisted way where you're not even trying to be subtle. Yeah. Like one of the other scenes that I was talking about or was going to mention was there's this scene where there's this girl, uh, Zoe, I think her, her name is, and she's trying to, uh, I, th I think they were trying to portray her as, you know, kind of one of the mean popular girls. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty like lame trope as it stands already. Uh, cliche. It's super cliche, right? Yeah. But but the only thing different here is that, oh, she might be, in addition to being a bully and kind of a mean girl, she, she might, there's also elements of racism to it because, you know, uh, there's this sense that I think on the surface, she tries to present herself as this, as your art, as your typical, like, you know, liberal, open-minded person, but she's really just passive-aggressive, and there's, like, an undertone of racism there, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, and that, it just feels just cartoonishly, not evil, but, like, mean. Oh, yeah, just her, the way that you see her as she's presented as a villain just, I don't like her not because G. Willow Wilson did a good job of presenting her as a believable or an effective villain. I don't like her because G. Willow Wilson's portrayal of her was unintentionally annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, may, I don't know if that's a different thing for most people, but it's different for me, you know? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. Like... I shouldn't hate her because she was poorly written. I should hate her because you as a writer wanted to do an effective job of make, making me hate this person. Exactly. Legitimately. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not hating her because you're a bad writer. If anything, I hate her because you were a good writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, that's... uh. Those are my thoughts on it. I didn't know if you had anything else. I have a couple more criticisms about the story. Yeah. One of them is that the portrayal of Kamala's family, I thought, was another another descent into tropes and cliches that I don't particularly care for. Uh -huh. I, think, I think it's a tired trope to make her religious family act as hindrances to her self-discovery and growth as a person. Mm. And I guess I, you know, I have to concede that, yeah, sure. There it's, it's not out of the question that a teenage Muslim girl growing up in America would feel that her devout parents, you know, are like screwing up her life or just making it hard for her to enjoy herself and, you know, be, a be with friends yeah, or be a teenager. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's possible, but I, I do think that seeing it here on the page, it definitely felt like more like another cliche, like the Zoe character. Yeah. It's, it just feels like some of the choices in the story here, if, if 
Wilson had taken the time to do something a little more challenging, she could have had something better, you know. But she just kind of took the easy route of resorting to these these basic tropes that, you know, everybody's familiar with. And and on some level, I get it. You know, teenagers, most teenagers don't get along great with their parents. Or yeah, they're just going through least. a period in their life, right? Yeah, exactly. Because teenagers want to do what they want to do. And parents yeah. are, you know, older and wiser. And yeah, it's not always good to let your kids do everything that they want to do. You're also in this period of your life where you've just got raging hormones and you're and and this is a cliche, but there is like some truth to it. Like you are sorting yourself out as a person, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're you don't really have an identity, at least up to this point. Not that you've like thought about it that much, right? But I get it. Once you're in high school, you're 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 not quite an adult, but you're on the way to becoming an adult and you're trying to figure out what that looks like. For you right yeah and a lot and, of times that just what it looks like is just fitting in at school and looking cool in front of your peers yeah 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 and it doesn't always jive with uh you know what your parents want so you know it, it's definitely a time of a lot of tumult and conflict uh, and and that's just growing pains right i get that yeah yeah, yeah. i get that i get that too yeah i, and, I just and, think that yeah oh go ahead well, I was just going to say, and here there's the additional like layer of it being that she just happens to be from this background with uh, her parents are her Muslim. Yeah, they're Pakistani background. and yeah. they're they're Muslim and she grew up in America and she just wants to be like everybody else at her school. Exactly. Exactly. But it, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it kind of feels like the trope of of having these oppressive parents it i feel like it's kind of counterproductive you know because if if one of the aims of the concept of ms marvel is for better representation and inclusion of marginalized groups it it feels counterproductive to have her parents portrayed as these negative stereotypes yeah and yeah, so by portraying her parents as these old-fashioned people who are, you know, th- in a way it's like they're almost too devout to their faith. And and that's why it's causing all these conflicts that, uh, you know, a non-Muslim American teenager wouldn't have to deal with. It, it just makes it seem like her parents are the ones at fault because they embrace their religion. And, yeah. and to me, it, it just feels a bit disrespectful to make it seem like being devoutly religious is a bad thing. Yeah. So, so that to me works kind of productively with, with the mission of Ms. Marvel, the comic to advocate for good representation. Mm. I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not meant to be disrespectful against yeah. Islam. Cause, cause from what I know, G Willow Wilson herself is Muslim. Yeah. But I think if I didn't, if I'm just ignoring her intentions and I'm just reading the text as it is, like my conclusion is something that I think I would lean towards naturally, you know, just think, man, why did they have to make the parents like that? Because it just yeah. makes, it just makes, uh, you know, older Muslim people look bad. Yeah. I, 
I I would I think I get where you're coming from. I I, I certainly understand the sense of it, but I I do lean more on the idea that it might just be, yeah, it, it's it's just that trope of, uh, you know, parents just don't understand, right? And, it, and in this <laughs> like case, Fresh Prince said, yeah, exactly. But in this case, it it just happens to be the case that her parents are Muslim because, um. You know, in this in the second book that we read in uh, the the Saladin Ahmed one, like it's part of that too, right? And, and I'll, I'll just mention it here without. Well, I mean, there's no getting around it. We'll talk about it, and when we talk about that book, but um, I mean, one of the main uh plot points in that story arc is that. Her parents find out that she's Miss Marvel in that story. And, you know, I don't know if you see this quite the same way, but it, it really does feel like it's that same thing where it's like, we're your parents and I don't want you to be a superhero because, yeah, you know, but see, I, that that works for me because it's that part doesn't really have much to do with them being religious you know it's it's more about them just being worried about their daughter putting herself in harm which is pretty universal yeah so i I think i think all the stuff that ahmed does with her parents in his story is a lot more believable a lot more uh yeah i guess fair-minded to her parents you know like it doesn't feel like they're it doesn't look feel like it's a negative portrayal on them it just feels like they're yeah it, it genuinely feels like they are her parents who grew up with a different set of values yeah. than she did, but they're just still trying to like watch out for her as best as they can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got that sense that her parents were loving parents in the G Willow Wilson run too. Um, yeah. There's... Yeah. And I'm not saying that her parents aren't loving parents. Yeah. It just, it, I'm just saying that, the way that they're portrayed in the Wilson story is more, they're just more there to serve as, as hindrances to yeah. Kamala's growth as a person. Okay. And yeah. I, I think it's, it's outrageous. It's unfair. <laughs> uh, how can you be a part of the council and not be a Jedi master? <laughs> uh, all right. All right. What else you got? I think that those are my main complaints. I like overall, I would say that the plot was pretty forgettable and the, my problems with the story outweigh the things that I could appreciate about it. Like basically yeah. all I really like about the first volume was the art. Like Adrian Alfona is a great artist. Yeah. He's saying his praises quite a bit when we talked about runaways many, many episodes ago, mm-hmm. but I really like his stuff. Definitely glad for his success and i think his art in this in this book is excellent stuff like he just continued to get better after runaways you know like if you look at the first issue of runaways and then look at the last issue of runaways you see a big improvement and then when you look at the last issue of runaways and then look at this it's like wow he he just continues to to get better and grow in his craft you know like yeah you gotta really respect and appreciate that yeah but uh, as far as the story goes, yeah, I, 
I can't say this was a good comic. In fact, I would say it's a bad comic, and I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. All right. You have any final thoughts on Ms. Marvel Volume 1? I believe I've articulated myself appropriately. So, you know, I'm 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 good to move on. Okay. So the other book that we're going to discuss is The Magnificent Ms. Marvel Volume 1, which is issues 1 through 6. And the storyline is called Destined. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, penciled by Minkyu Jung, inked by Juan Vlasco, with Minkyu Jung in issues 5 and 6, colored by Ian Herring, lettered by Joe Caramagna, edited by Alana Smith, and Sana Aminat was the consulting editor. So, thoughts on The Magnificent Ms. Marvel, Albert? It's a... I mean, I think one of the things that makes it pretty different from the first volume of the G. Willow Wilson run, and and it just certainly works in its favor, is that it is a comic that isn't an origin story. So right right at the beginning, we're jumping right into the... It's just a a story about her, right? It's... it's, it's, uh, I don't have to go through the hoops of, like, learning about her world or being fed uh the 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 mythology of what's going on it's it just allows me to hit the ground running and you know that's that's not something that g will wilson can necessarily be blamed for right because you know she no i shouldn't blame her for that (laughs) she's responsible for the choices she makes in life okay well I don't think she's responsible for having for being in the position to write an origin story. Let's put it that way. But uh, you know, I it's it's a pretty fun action comic from what I from what I read. Like I I read it for the first time uh for this podcast just in preparation because again, uh Miss Marvel is just such a new character that there really isn't a lot of source material to draw from you know well, didn't you read a bunch of her other appearances in other comics like champions and avengers uh that's true i i read her oh well no so i didn't collect the mark wade champions run i just collected the issues that were part of the six-part avengers champions time uh like a uh, crossover <laughs> event okay i know sounds fun doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> You're really selling me on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, comics as a whole, right? Yeah, yeah. So so I didn't actually read any of the stuff that she was in in her Champions stuff. Uh, I think in large part, even though I like Mark Wade, I'm not a huge Humberto Ramos fan, especially now. Uh, the, the current or more current version of Humberto Ramos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... It was something where the last six issues of his Avengers run just happened to be this uh, crossover event with this other book. So I, I got those stories together. Um, yeah, I don't think there was anything that was done in there that I actively remember too well about his portrayal of Miss Marvel other than maybe his version of Miss Marvel was someone who was a little more seasoned and a little more uh, grown because this is a version of Miss Marvel who is no longer uh, 
quite as fresh-faced as she was, but she's on a team with other, you know, new young superheroes, and they're kind of forging their own path. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe someday I'll go back and, like, borrow it from the library or something and read those issues, but uh, I didn't really remember anything about her that jumped out too much in, in those stories. Um, yeah, but that being said, um, yeah, this version of her, uh, I guess it did feel like it did a better job of presenting those high school tropes that we usually see with teenage superheroes. Uh, so uh, the story picks up, you know, a little further down the road from where uh, G. Wills, G. Willow Wilson started off with uh, her Miss Marvel. So at this point in the story, there she's kind of established her her support network. Uh, there's a guy who was in the first issue whose name is Bruno, and he was just kind of, uh, you know, like a, a potential love interest, I think. Like, I don't know if that's officially... What I, I I no that's not true. I'm I'm presuming from the that first volume that that was what the implication of mm-hmm. of his uh, introduction was that he was yeah. someone who kind of had a crush on her and she maybe had complicated feelings on him. And when we get to the solid and Ahmed portion, um, yeah, we're I I think it's fair to say that at that point in the story, they've already revealed themselves to one another uh in more ways than one like one she's uh well okay she already revealed her powers to him in that first book but you know they they're they're kind of a duo a crime fighting duo or team at this point right or like he helps her Uh, and on top of that uh he's i want to say that they're already at a place where he's revealed his feelings towards her but Again, it's complicated because what teenage superhero story doesn't have a romance that isn't complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, you know, she likes him but doesn't like him at the same time, and he likes her but she just won't fess up to. She won't reciprocate those feelings, right? Right. Right. Uh, for whatever reason. And so, so there's that tension that's happening, but then there's also the tension of, and we mentioned this earlier in the podcast that her parents have found out that she's Miss Marvel, and they are, you know, laying down the law as her parents uh, by telling her that, hey, you know, I don't, we don't want you to get hurt. We're your parents. You need to listen to us, and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the emotional conflict of what's happening there and that's that's where we pick up so the story is about how at the beginning that's where we start off and then these alien creatures start coming down to jersey and they start attacking uh random areas and miss marvel you know she beats up these alien uh beings whatever they are and eventually they come after her parents and when she saves her parents that's when it kicks off the second adventure which is um she and her parents go off to basically save this alien homeworld that views Miss Marvel as this divine savior for their planet. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the adventure that they go on. 
So, uh, yeah, it's it's a fun adventure story, and I I do think it's interesting to see where she was in that first book relative to where she is when when we're when we start Solid and Ahmed's run, which is, you know, she's no longer really this green thumb rookie superhero she's she's at a position in her career where alien beings on other worlds are looking at her as a savior right <laughs> <laughs> like i mean it does kind of turn out to be a fluke of her what do you call it i guess the way that she looked looked like the person that they thought was their savior so yeah, it's kind yeah. of mistaken identity right, right but right. nonetheless they still put their trust in her yeah and you know it was well founded because she ended up saving them nonetheless right yeah uh yeah so it it's quite a far place to be from uh i'm just gonna use these stretchy hand powers to like beat up thomas edison's birdhead clone <laughs> <laughs> yeah she saved an entire civilization man true that true that yeah yeah it's quite what, an accomplishment what were your thoughts I thought the, well, number one, I thought the art was serviceable. It didn't really stand out one way or the other. So, you know, it, I guess I would say it's, it's better than bland. It, it's certainly, <laughs> he's not Mark Bagley, you know, like yeah, this is definitely yeah. better than Mark Bagley. Can I tell you something about the art though? Yeah. That something that did capture my imagination the the alien creatures that were sent down to fight her um mm-hmm. in the in that first couple of issues i was looking at them they kind of reminded me of battle beasts and yeah i think when Same i looked here. at them and i was like oh man these kind of you know and my mind instinctively went to battle beast that did do something for me so i thought of battle beasts and muscle men huh i'd have to look at that again i i, I think I wasn't it's just because the men. The main dude was walking around shirtless a lot, and he had a lot of muscles. <laughs> right, right. Well, there we go. There, yeah. There's your connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's literally the... a muscle man. Exactly. Exactly. I thought the artwork was serviceable, though. Like, no, no real complaints there. But uh, I wouldn't say I was so excited by the art that I'm gonna go search out everything else that Min Kyu Jung draws. Yeah. But as far as Ms. Marvel goes, you know, solid stuff. Yeah. I also think that this book is a much better introduction to the character than her actual origin story. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just saying earlier that I wouldn't recommend the first volume of Ms. Marvel by Gwendolyn Willow Wilson, but I would recommend the first arc of this Solid and Ahmed run to serve as an introduction to anyone who's interested in learning about the character i think it's a better introduction than her origin story and even within these pages you do get a brief scene where her origin is recapped within the story without getting bogged down in the questions of what is the terrigen miss and and all that or you know it, it it's unobtrusive and like you were saying earlier, we just get thrown straight into the action. So it's it's just the meat of the story, you know? And I, I yeah. find that much more preferable than another retread origin story. Because we just see so many of those in Cape Comics that I get 
tired of them and it, it really yeah. takes something unique or fresh for me to be down with an or another origin story yeah yeah i i agree like there are so many only so many ways that i want to be introduced to this new cast of characters and the same you know uh template stock uh mopey teenager yeah um, like i don't know uh yeah I, I don't think i think outside of ms marvel i there aren't really too many new superheroes that i'm going out of my way to to jump jump on in terms of uh you know just reading about like mm-hmm I don't. I don't even know how how many new characters get put out, but I, I can I can confidently say that I don't read that many of them. Uh, if so, so the fact that I even read Miss Marvel probably says more. Uh, it, it says that we decided to do an episode on the podcast about those comics. <laughs> well, I was gonna say even before the podcast, I, I like I said I did read it, so like. I was more interested in Miss Marvel than most of the new characters that do come out. So, you know, congratulations. You're more interesting than Punchline. <laughs> Dang. Poor Punchline. He's just taking strays <laughs> out of nowhere, man. Yeah. Well, it makes you feel better. Punchline was a key issue. And, like, people were trying to buy that first appearance of her like crazy. That's true. So yeah, yeah. Punchline deserves to be crapped on. My mockery. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Anyway, going back to the magnificent Ms. Marvel Volume One, I'd I'd also say the story doesn't necessarily do anything too amazing, but it's also not stupid. And I do like how it introduces some good drama for Kamala. Like, there's the whole thing that's introduced early on with her father. Like, you you get the sense that something is something is up with her dad. Yeah. And, yeah, so that illness that he reveals to her uh, near the end of the book, that was a pretty good emotional gut punch slash cliffhanger to make you want to keep on reading and, and find out what happens next i also think it's an interesting wrinkle into the story to see that both of her parents know of her identity they know that she's ms marvel and on top of that they even accompany her to this other planet so they're they just tag along on the adventure can't really think of too many other teen superhero comics where the parents of the hero you know just followed their kid around while their kid was doing typical hero stuff yeah so yeah I, I kind of enjoyed seeing that it was it was it was cool to to have them in the story more too because then uh you get more characterization from them and the way that ahmed writes all of the characters but specifically uh kamala's parents i, I feel like he writes and presents the cons familial relationships and their religion 
in a way that's far more natural, believable, and respectful than the Wilson story. So to me, this this felt like more true, you know? Like I was able to to buy into the stuff that uh, they were saying and thinking. Like each each issue in the story is is narrated from the point of view of a different character. And that's an effective tactic too, to, to give us some insight into the different people in the story and nothing is really ham-fisted, you know? And maybe maybe you could say that part of it is because she's off Earth, so she's not really dealing with everyday kind of problems. So you don't have to worry about her feeling like an outsider in that sense. And it was more focused on superheroics and her uh, parents. But yeah, for me, that, that really worked. That was an effective way to tell the story and a good premise. Yeah. Yeah, I just enjoyed the story, man. It's it's entertaining. This is a series that I still read when I find a new trade at the library. So I haven't haven't uh given up on it or anything. I mean, I'm not saying it's like the greatest series. Like there's a lot of stuff that I've forgotten what happens because it it didn't necessarily land too hard with me, but as far as just a good solid entertaining and enjoyable superhero comic goes like this is something that scratches that itch yeah 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 i do think uh like we talked about this a little bit but she i like she's not quite a contemporary for someone like miles morales but i do think no wait i think you wouldn't call her contemporary of Miles Morales? I mean, because I think Miles Morales came out before her by enough time where, well, not not that much time, like two years. Yeah, I mean, I guess like it's debatable, but you know, I okay, I guess I personally do consider them in the same league in the sense that, uh, you know, they're part of this staple of young heroes that like Marvel is trying to cultivate. Uh, this next generation of heroes. She's definitely one of the lead faces uh, of it. Like when you look at the champions, for example, that comic that I was talking about by Mark Wade, that was, you know, their attempt at doing a team that was centered around what the next generation of superheroes was going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So you did, you did have Miles Morales and you had her, but you also had, you know, Am- Amadeus Cho as, Braun, I think his name was. And when he became a Hulk? Yeah. And you had like Viv Vision and you had Nova. Like that I'm pretty sure that was the team. And wasn't the time displaced Cyclops on that team too? Yeah, yeah. You're time right. displaced time, teenage yeah. Cyclops. I mean <laughs> As if things a, couldn't get convoluted enough. Yeah. Well I was gonna say that speaks volumes of Marvel that their way of looking to the future of the the comics industry was by looking backwards at a time displaced young version of cyclops <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah but but it does feel like in recent years marvel has been investing a lot of time and, en- and energy into creating a lot of these newer characters right so you do have other characters like riri williams and uh, mm-hmm. uh well yeah there i'm sure there are more but you know they they're laying the foundation for the next generation of heroes and characters for future fans or you know maybe even current ones too 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I do think Kamala does fit the mold of like I think she's a good representation of what the new like teenage superhero comic for the the modern era should be. Like I do wish it was better, but I like as a concept, I think she fits, right? I, I think as an idea, like I I personally feel that we get more from her in Marvel than her absence. Yeah. If that makes any sense. She's a, she's a great addition to the Marvel universe. There we go. Absolutely. Right. Like I, I'm just waiting for that one story that makes me love her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You see the potential in the character and you're just waiting for her to get that classic story that pretty much every character at some point will get, you know, that, that iconic story, the the Born Again or the Dark Knight Returns or the yeah. Craven's Last Hunt or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it'd be awesome if she got her, like, whatever her version of a Craven's Last Hunt is, right? That would be, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty dope. I'd be about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, as much as I enjoyed the Saladin Ahmed story, I do think that if I'm looking at it objectively, it's far closer to being an average comic than a good comic, you know? Like, if I were comparing it to other Cape comics, I guess I could call it a good comic, but if I'm just comparing it to other comics in general, then, yeah, it's probably more... it's, It's average to me. Like, something that I read because I want to be entertained with something that doesn't make me think too hard and is just kind of fun and enjoyable without being anything that forces me to think or feel too much. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, like, I think it'd be a good comic to give to a kid. Like, yeah. for a kid, I think it's just complex enough where... They might feel like it's, you know, complex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyone who's interested in the character of Ms. Marvel, I would definitely want them to read the Solid and Ahmed stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would recommend the other stuff unless the. I don't think I would recommend the Wilson stuff unless they were just absolutely starved for reading material. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna say that it's it's not for me. Um, I, I I can't say that I personally enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, if someone asked me if that's what I would recommend for Miss Marvel story, I couldn't really say that either. Um, like I I guess I'd recommend it as you know as a historical artifact. If you really want to know about the character, but what if somebody asked you if they should pay three hundred bucks for her, her first appearance because it's a key issue? I mean, I wouldn't do that for any comic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's not in good company just by the very virtue of my mockery of uh, uh, key collectors. Well, let me put it this way: if it was a key collecting chump. I'd be like, yeah, go get it, dude. 
<laughs> in fact, you should bid upwards because you don't want you want to be sure that you're not under you you lose it to someone who bids more than you. So you should probably bid like just a hundred dollars <laughs> extra just in case. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Did you have any other thoughts? What would you recommend to people who enjoyed these Ms. Marvel comics? See, that's a that's a tough question because I feel like there's like a lot of different ways to dissect that answer when I really think about it. Um, I think my first instinct is if you're looking for like a teenage superhero, you know, like that, you know, if you're looking for something that fills that void of like what it means to be a teenager and a superhero and to deal with, uh, you know, juggling your social life with your superhero life, with your personal life and your school life and all that. I'd probably say Miles Morales, Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis is, is what I offer for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, if we're going to be more specific and if you're going to look for something uh you know that speaks to an immigrant a teenage immigrant girl uh that's a hard one for me to answer like i i've been racking my brain this whole time trying to come up with something i I don't know that i i have something for that but uh yeah yeah. i mean i would have stories that deal with that experience but not from a superhero perspective you know yeah 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 you there there are a lot of slice of life or even young adult comics that cover that stuff like superbly yeah well here's what i could recommend you could get one of those books and then like take pages from like another <laughs> like superhero comic where they're punching each other and like take those independent pages and just slip them into the cracks randomly <laughs> throughout the book so as you're reading it you'll have uh, you'll accidentally or come across a random page where some guy is just getting punched and that should fill your action quota. That's kind I am of funny. Solution, I'm solution oriented, Drew. There you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, DC has a line of graphic novels for young adults. So maybe that could be another option. Like oh, a lot yeah, of their stuff true. is about a lot of those YA graphic novels. They do feature teens and a lot of them are about teenage girls. Like there's, there's a Mara story. I remember that one. I did read. I actually borrowed quite a few of these from the library because I'm just curious about these stories. And the Mara one was a good comic from what I remember. Um, trying to think what else. I liked. There was one called Shadow of the Batgirl, uh-huh. which was a, that one was about the. It was a new interpretation of the Cassandra Kane Batgirl. I like that one too. That was a good one. Okay. I would want to buy my own copy of that. I'd recommend it. Uh, there was one called The Oracle Code, which was about Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those ones were probably, like, those two and the Mara book were probably the ones that uh, have stood out the most to me. Like, I've read quite a few of the other ones. We even talked about I Am Not Starfire in a previous episode, but yeah, I think of the ones that I genuinely, personally have love for and would recommend, it would be Mara Tidebreaker, Shadow of the Batgirl and the Oracle Code. Okay, nice. I I haven't read any of those. You've certainly read more of those YA books than I have, so I'm substantially yeah. behind there. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The other one that I just read recently is good, too. It's called Mr. Miracle, The Great Escape. And uh, yeah, even though Mr. Miracle is is a dude, he's he's a teenage boy in that one. Yeah. Uh, big Barda plays a big role in the story, too. So, okay. yeah, I still think that would be a pretty good fit. Yeah. And uh, I guess I guess I'll go go here, but if you're really a fan of G. Willow Wilson's work and you want to read more G. Willow Wilson stuff, she is doing Invisible Kingdom over at Image, and uh, that start over there is by Christian Ward, and he's a fantastic artist. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I if I'm ready to check it out. Someday I might, just out of curiosity, but I, I'm pretty doubtful of that. Uh, <laughs> it might be uh, a different experience because I, I want to say it's like a, either a fantasy or sci-fi setting that doesn't really take place in 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 the you know real world. So maybe it'll be a different reading experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, if you do like G. Willow Wilson, there's that over at Image. Uh, it's an ongoing that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, the other thing that I want to say before I f- forgot uh, about those DC YA graphic novels is that they also do that thing where they they're effective at presenting uh, diverse points of view and representation. Like I would say, uh, they handle that. Well, some of I mean, obviously, some of them handle it better than other books, but. I'd say, like, for the most part, if you're interested in reading socially conscious superhero comics, those ones that I recommended are pretty good choices. Like, they're they're not they're not really ham-fisted or or uh, cringy they or anything. They approach it with a sense of nuance and subtlety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, or at least, or at the very least, they they don't do anything that feels offensive. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, as far as G. Willow Wilson goes, one thing of hers I I did like, or at least I remember liking, I haven't read it in a long time, but early on in her time at Marvel, she did a miniseries called Mystic. Do you remember that, Albert? Was it based on the cross-gen thing? Yeah, it was a four-issue miniseries okay. based on the cross-gen property, and David Lopez drew it. It, it had pretty amazing art. It, it really reminded me of, like, a Disney animation or something, but uh, the story is vague in my mind now because it's been so many years since I read it, mm-hmm. probably close to 10 years. But I remember that one being pretty entertaining and uh, like that one didn't have anything that felt ham-fisted or, or yeah. uh, you know, I, I, there wasn't anything in there that I took in a questionable way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was yeah. I I could recommend that G Willow Wilson comic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. And Solid and Ahmed has written some stuff too. Oh yeah. We've got Did Exiles, which also has an alternate version of Kamala Khan in it. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Again, it's more along the same tone as uh, his Ms. Marvel, where I think for me. I enjoy it. I didn't really uh, remember a whole lot of about it, but uh, the overall positive impression was that it was a good enough and entertaining enough superhero comic that 
that uh if you're just if you just want to scratch that superhero itch that's a pretty decent choice right right what about yeah. uh there's also black bolt by solid and ahmed and i think christian ward drew that one too right yeah yeah christian ward and fraser yeah. irving did one or two issues that yeah. yeah black bolt by solid and ahmed is definitely a recommendation like i i think that's one of the best marvel books of the past few years nice yeah yeah it's good it's a good recommendation um saladin ahmed's other like he's also working actually he's also working on miles morales uh spider-man isn't he mm-hmm. for, yeah he's currently the writer for spider-man for miles yeah. morales yeah so i guess he's doing quite a few of these teenage superhero books <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so those those are our picks uh you got anything else nope that's pretty much it in terms of picks as far as what to look ahead uh or as far as what's coming in upcoming weeks next week we are gonna continue with our uh long gestating dc top 25 by doing another honorable mention something that we just wanted to talk about for a while but the, the comic is it's a bird by Stephen T. Siegel and Teddy Christensen. So look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in a few more weeks, probably we probably won't do it the very week that the show ends, but a couple weeks after the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show ends, we'll do an autopsy of the show. Yeah. 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 So sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. And if, uh, you know, if you guys have any contributions or questions feel free to hit us up at between the gutters podcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on our instagram you you know feel free to dm us uh we are constantly waiting for people to slide into our dms because <laughs> we about that uh you know did you see the dm we got earlier today i did not what was it good was it <laughs> i'll tell you offline it's not appropriate for the podcast <laughs> well okay like i said you know feel free to hit us up on our instagram feel free to hit us up on twitter at between the gutters uh on twitter um you know you can also um yeah and if you can also rate us on whatever platform you, you happen to be listening to us to on uh that would be a great help for you know boosting us in the algorithm uh we really 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 appreciate that Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Between the Gutters, signing off. Peace. Peace, guys.